From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, AMD risk factors and the Reykjavik Eye Study. As far as we can find in Iceland and in other Caucasian populations, of course, age increase increases the risk similarly for exudative AMD and geographic atrophy. And smoking increases the risk for exudative AMD similarly as for geographic atrophy. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CMA activity. Dr. Jonasson declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation by calling our listener response lines? Share your expertise about an issue we've discussed by calling. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast. Then your question will be relayed to the guest, and your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Go ahead. Try it out. It's cool. In the absence of effective treatment for non-neovascular AMD, much attention has been paid to risk factor modification. Population-based studies are best to identify AMD risks, and a premier example of this is the Reykjavik Eye Study. Friedbert Jonasson recently published results of an investigation of five-year incident risk factors identified in the Reykjavik Eye Study. And I'm delighted to have him as my guest today. What constitutes ARM and what is the line, the demarcation between ARM and AMD? Yeah, ARM uh, constitutes drusen and the pigmentary abnormalities, drusen of several types. In our study, uh, drusen larger than 63 microns, but we divide them by size from 63 to 124, and then also larger than 125 microns. And uh, the advanced type we, we divide into the geographic atrophy, which is an atrophy of the pigment epithelium of a size of 175 microns with sharp edges and well demarcated and visible coronal vessels on the one hand and the exclusive type where we have cells uh, uh, or hemorrhage uh, detachment of the pigment epithelium neovascular membranes and uh, subretinal fibrous scars. The definition we use is the one suggested by a group in 1995, the international, uh, suggesting uh, the classification of this condition, and it was published in Survey of Ophthalmology in 1995, I think. Can I have you describe the Reykjavik Eye Study? Yes, the Reykjavik Eye Study was uh, first done in 1996. And this is a random sample from the national population census of people 
50 years and older at that time. And uh, we had a participation of 1,045 people, which was uh, between 75 and 76% of those who were eligible for participation in this area and constitutes about 6.4% of the population of this age group. We use the same percentage for each year of birth and for both sexes. Then in 2001, we repeated this uh, um, study and uh, 846 uh, persons participated which constitutes over 88% of the survivors of the baseline study. And uh, what we did, this was a very thorough explanation with uh, different kinds of of equipment used, like we did, of course, uh, stereo fundus photography using uh, 30-degree angle and we used uh, a film at this time to have a proper stereo effect. We also uh, did several other uh, uh, investigations like uh, shampoo photography of the eye of the anterior segment and uh, and uh, and many other things and there were also some self-reported information that we gathered uh, in a questionnaire that we used. Now, earlier Reykjavik eye study papers examined prevalence and five-year incidence of ARM and AMD. Can I have you summarize the findings of those previous studies? Yes. I think the summarizing, uh, we find that the prevalence and indeed incidence show similar types of uh, um, age-related maculopathy and macular degeneration like found in other Caucasian with one major difference though, namely that the geographic atrophy outnumbers the exudative type and uh, probably is more common in Iceland than in other uh, Caucasian populations. Other than the fact that geographic atrophy is more common, is the population in Iceland representative of the larger Caucasian population? Yes, uh, and this is a very stable population that has mostly been uh, located here for 1,100 years. And though we took random sample, uh, like I described before, all participants in this study were Caucasians. And these people who live here are mainly derived from Northern Europe. As you said, geographic atrophy is relatively more common in the Icelandic population. Do geographic atrophy and exudative maculopathy have the same precursor lesions? Yes, uh, they have. Uh, I mean, they have the same precursor lesions. Yes, uh, in particular, large soft roofs and are obviously precursor lesions for both. Uh, types of late age-related macular degeneration. And uh, this is a very interesting question because uh, as uh, far as we can find in Iceland and in other Caucasian populations, of course, age increase increases the risk similarly for exudative AMD and geographic atrophy. And smoking increases the risk for exudative AMD similarly as for geographic atrophy. 
and diet may increase or decrease the risk of developing uh, both uh, late, late forms. And if you look at the genetics also done in Iceland, we find um, both regarding uh, complement factor eight, so chromosome one Q, and uh, also the risk factor on chromosome ten. There is a risk for both uh, late form of uh, AMD. What is complement factor H, and how is its variant associated with AMD pathophysiologically? Well, uh, the complement factor H has to do with the immunological or inflammatory response. And uh, we have uh, actually there were three American studies in, in uh, 2005 that identified this complement factor as being a risk factor for, in particular, exudative macular degeneration. And we uh, confirmed this in an Icelandic study where we also found that it confers similar risk both to soft roofs and, and, and also for, to geographic atrophy. And we also re replicated these results in the uh, U.S. population. And since then, other researchers have also replicated our results. And uh, so we have not find, found any a genetic difference between those who developed geographic atrophy on the one hand and exudative macular degeneration on the other hand. How does complement factor H work with respect to the development of macular degeneration? Yes, this is of course the work of, of others, but it is... Uh, it has been suggested that uh, as a result of uh, this missense mutation, there's a failure to uh, shut down the alternative complement pathway. And metabolites from this complement pathway have been identified in Drusen. So this may be the explanation. Can I have you describe the design of this study? Yeah, uh, this particular study. Um, okay. The design is, this is a random sample from the National Population Census, and, uh, and what we did was uh, that we uh, re-examined the same people some uh, five years later, and uh, maybe the strength of this study, if you will address that, is the random sampling from the National Population Census. It may be the high percentage uh, examined after five years, and also the consistency of the data gathering, including the same persons using the same equipment doing the work, as well as the grading techniques. But the photographs were graded by two graders at the Moorfields Eye Hospital in London, and they did it in the same way. And they did both the baseline and the five years uh, grading within six months. I think uh, also it is important important to emphasize that this is an incident risk factor analysis based on an observation over five years rather than the more common cross-sectional risk factor analysis, which is based on prevalence data at one time point for different age groups. And maybe if you look at the study further, the weakness of the study may be the relatively low study power, in particular for late AMD, since more than two-thirds of the participants were younger than 70 years of age at baseline. Conversely, this data is therefore has improved strength 
for examining the early age-related muscular changes, changes, namely drusen and and pigmentation maltes, and may also be considered as some weakness that um, some of the data, namely the questionnaire, is like in such study self studies self-reported. You had mentioned a survey component to the data. What were the questions that the patients were asked in the survey? Well, this uh, this was a very broad questionnaire that we used. It was slightly modified the questionnaire uh, uh, regarding health and lifestyle, and and uh, also regarding uh, uh, dietary intake, and uh, and uh, this included things like smoking that we felt was very in- important, alcohol consumption, um, history of disease and medication as such. What were the results of your study? Well, the main results uh, of our study was that um, were that uh, the current alcohol consumption decreased the risk for drusen, and uh, it is difficult to say what this means or if anything. But um, um, most of the people who consumed alcohol consumed a very small amount, they were very mod, uh, moderate alcohol consumption, but this may be uh, associated with antioxidant properties of alcohol. And uh, it's also possible that this is some sort of uh, of uh, uh, not a real relationship because of uh, because it's very moderate. Other things that were important, I think, was being married rather than divorced or widowed decreased the risk for soft rules, and this may be a marker or surrogate marker for better nourishments. And also both consuming dietary fiber-rich vegetables and meat and meat products was found to be protective, also that is um, frequent consumption of these items, and this may be associated with uh, antioxidant properties of things like lycopene since most of this included tomatoes. Uh, so these are markers for better than average nutritional status. And then there was another thing that we felt was very important that uh, this was that those who had smoked 20 pack years or more compared with non-smoker, they, uh, we didn't find this to be a risk factor. Many studies have, but some have not. And this was strange for us since in the prevalence study, this was a risk factor. But when we looked uh, further at this, we found that there was an increased, uh, in, uh, there was a decreased survival rate for those having smoked 20 pack years or more. And this obviously masked to some extent the effect of smoking on the development or as a risk for age-related muscular degeneration. And finally, there, there seemed to be um, some sort of different different risk for risk factors for pigmentary abnormalities on the one hand and bruising on the other hand. I think these are probably the most important results of the study. What do you make of the divergent results that you got for consumption of meat? That on one hand, it, it was protective for certain findings. On the other hand, it was associated with other findings. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I think uh, this, uh, the persons who participated in this study, they were born between 1900 and 1946. And in part, 
you know, the older part, the uh, nutrition was rather poor and, and uh, uh, the nutritional status was rather poor and, and Iceland was rather poor and this has changed a lot over the years. So somebody who was having a lot of meat um, was better off because most people were living from fish and fish products since this was much less expensive in these years. So what we may be measuring there is some sort of a surrogate marker for better than average nutritional status. How do you read the association between soft drusen and fish consumption? That people who reported a greater consumption of herring uh, seem to be at greater risk for soft drusen. Yeah, this is very difficult to interpret and I'm not sure how to do this. We found some sort of protective effect when we were looking at cortical cataract in the same population. I'm not sure if, if, if this is real and I, I find it difficult to interpret this result. On the other hand, if you look at the nutrition in these years, most of the people, they had fish five or six days five to seven days a week, <clears throat> most, sorry, most of their life, they had fish five to seven days of the week. And additionally, they had also, they took cod liver oil, about 56% took daily uh, cod liver oil for most of their lives. And these both uh, contain large amounts of omega, um, polyunsaturated fatty acids. And these have been shown to reduce the uh, risk of neovascularization in this condition. Unfortunately, if we look at the cod liver oil consumption, uh, vitamin A was added to the cod liver oil for one reason or another. And it seems that for most of their lives, these people uh, were consuming about uh, three times the recommended daily doses of vitamin uh, A. And it is therefore possible that uh, uh, um, uh, lipofuscin de derived from the vitamin A um, effect regarding increasing the risk of geographic atrophy. Can I have you talk about alcohol consumption, you had mentioned the antioxidant effect of alcohol, but you, you also mentioned in, in the paper uh, the fact that early on alcohol consumption in Iceland was in the form of spirits and that only recently has wine become popular. Uh, we were like um, many of the Scandinavian countries, the alcohol consumption was rather low. Alcohol was very highly taxed and uh, it was uh, uh, rarely consumed and the strange thing was that since the prohibition in Iceland uh, which is similar time as in the United States we haven't had any form of beer until 1989 and wine consumption generally was not uh, it was very uncommon under after uh, 1970 in the late 1970s it started to pick up so in the main time of the life of the participants, the alcohol consumption was uh, almost exclusively in in form of spirits. Now, you found that dietary um, fiber consumption uh, was associated with a, a decreased risk. And you mentioned that 
tomatoes um, may be especially protective in the sense that they contain lycopene. What do we know about lycopene and AMD? Well, not nothing much, and uh, this uh, we suggested this. This is correct because when we looked at what was contained in these years, um, both the vegetables and fruit were. Uh, pretty rarely consumed in Iceland compared to most countries. And uh, what was consumed in this category were mostly tomatoes and cucumbers. And uh, this is the, and we haven't examined this ourselves, but, uh, but uh, there are in the literature several publications suggesting that lycopenes are a very strong antioxidant. And uh, this may, for be linked to this possible protective effect. Did you find an association between cataracts and AMD? No, we looked at this, but uh, we could not uh, confirm uh, such an uh, association after uh, correcting for AIDS. What about sun exposure and AMD? Yeah, this is also like, uh, like some other uh, researchers. We could not find any such association which is in agreement with uh, uh, some other resources like, I think, the Wisconsin High Study, for instance. What about childbearing or hormone replacement therapy? Was that associated with AMD? Yeah, there are many and conflicting results in different studies. We didn't find any such association, though there are some studies that have found such associations, probably more that did not find out. Having learned what you've learned from this paper, how have these findings influenced your own practice? Do you do you recommend dietary modification for your patients? Yes, I think uh, both this study has influenced me in the way that uh, I certainly do that. And of course, the results of the AIDS study have been, uh, influenced me even more in uh, that effect. And how do you tell your patients to drink wine and eat fruit? I don't, uh, I, I think the effect of wine is very moderate, so I don't tell them that they have to drink wine. <laughs> and uh, regarding fruit and vegetables, yes, I encourage that as well as uh, vitamin intake. And uh, if there are any changes, of course, uh, and then also vitamins uh, sink in high doses according to the recommendations by the added study. Is there anything you'd like to add, Dr. Yunusen? Uh, there is one thing I think, think I, uh, which I think is, is, is very important, and this is the question, why is geographic atrophy more common in Iceland than the exudative type, and probably more common than elsewhere uh, in Caucasian populations? And um, genetic and or environmental factors that explain this different situation regarding the risk of geographic atrophy in Iceland uh, need to be identified and I think this is very important regarding the approach to geographic atrophy and indeed late age-related macular degeneration in most populations. Dr. Jonasen, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Friedbert Jonasen is Professor of Ophthalmology in the Department of Ophthalmology at the University of Iceland in Reykjavik, Iceland. His paper, Risk Factors for Five-Year Incident Age-Related Macular Degeneration, the Reykjavik Eye Study, appears in the September 2006 issue of the AJO. (music) 
ask questions of Dr. Jonasson or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.